Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Do you want to know when I, how we get old? When I went to my first uh, antenatal lesson right. in, in Hackney, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like six months pregnant wife. wife you don't even we, live in Hackney, but you thought yeah, that was yeah, the best place yeah. to go. Okay, had to do that. Uh, and we went around the room and um, we went around saying who we were. Yeah. Whatever. And this bloke, bespectacled, quite kind of interesting hairdo, sat on the couch with his partner and said, um, my name's Mary. And I went... Mary Biker. You're from the Biker Gay Bikers Massive. Was it Mary Biker? Gay Bikers on Yes. Well, I'm very pleased that he's done it. There's a bloke called Mary. Mary, yeah, that was his stage name. His name is And he's still, as a father, he still adopts the name. Yeah, he's still called Mary, isn't it? It's like a boy named Sue, a dad called Mary. Yeah. Mary Biker. He now lives in Brazil, where these things are presumably a lot more acceptable. Well, um, yeah, um, Wayne Hussey from the Mission lives in Brazil and he's revered as a god and lives on a huge <laughs> plantation. It's like those remote yeah. islands where they worship <laughs> Prince Philip. <laughs> <Wisdom. laughs> yeah, uh, yeah he's, he's, he's well liked in, in, in uh, Brazil, Wayne. <laughs> he's got a huge plantation, apparently, I understand. That's what they all what say. What does he grow? No, it's just he doesn't grow anything. Right. <laughs> I he, thought he, a plantation, no. you had to grow no, something. No, I don't think so. I think he just wanders about. He'll go around on a little buggy. In his big baggy shorts. <laughs> So we're joining the pod this week. Uh, but <coughs> I'm going to start that again. <coughs> Everybody's oh, popping. God. Good Lord. Sorry, you're going to have to edit already, man. Yeah, and, and get a new pair of <laughs> eardrums. <laughs> <laughs> you should have been out walking in Norfolk like I was yesterday. Clear your pipes. So we're joined by Andrew Collins, fresh from the fens. Is that right? Yeah, fantastic. I went to two um, um, on bird watching day yesterday. My friend uh, Dave and I, both self-employed, so we gave ourselves Monday off and went to Norfolk. So you go in a hide or something? We went in a lot of hides, and we walked down a lot of boardwalks, we walked through past reed beds and lots of marshland and saw some amazing birds. We actually counted. We sat in the, uh, the bar of the B&B where we stayed last night and uh, wrote down all the birds we'd seen. We didn't write them down while we were doing it, we're not like that, but, but the thought, just for the hell of it, since we'd been out and had so, we did seven solid hours of birding yesterday, and it was beautiful weather, sunny, but the coastal winds were battering us, you know, making us glad we took that many layers. And... Uh, 
we went to a fantastic little post office come general store, a little village post office where they sold handmade sandwiches that they'd made themselves oh, and had a cheese counter and they sold sheep's cheese. So we bought a big hunk of sheep's cheese and ate that as we walked around the marshes. Anyway, we wrote down the birds we saw, which included all the common birds, not just rare ones. We don't care. We like all birds. And we counted 47. We'd seen 47 different species of bird in, in a day, which we're really pleased about. But we wanted to make it up to 50. So on the drive back this morning, we were desperately looking out the windows to try and we... <laughs> Luckily, we saw a J, 48. We only two more. Blackbird. We never saw a blackbird. We'll have that. 49. And did you get that? And a Kestrel, 50. 50. You know when they do that RSPB, Matt Hall uh, got his own microphone this week. I have. Yeah. Yes. Near the deep, rich tones Ooh. of Matt Hall. Is that just for me? Because I was listening to last week's podcast on the tube, as I normally do. And on the tube, the noise of the tube, that is London Underground, for those living outside London, it cuts you out. Yeah. And you were about to say something very profound about Jay-Z and Glastonbury, which I never heard. And oh, it involved I'll, the word I'll, racist. I'll, I'll fill you in. It sounds good. So, so just, I'll just do it again now for those who also listen on the tube. Can you remember what it was, Matt? It was that, yeah, I can. <laughs> yes, you got the strength. It's kind of, it's kind of gone there. Right. Uh, RSPB, you know, they do that thing every year with the Radio 4 Today program where they say, write down the names of the, uh, of the birds in your garden yeah. that day. And my wife and I are feeling very public-spirited whenever this occurs. Think, yep, today we're going to do it. Yep. We're going to note it down. Every year on the day, which is usually a Saturday, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. There isn't a single feathered creature <laughs> goes anywhere near our garden. I think all the, all the birds, you know, the conspiracy, all go down the park yeah. or something like that. They hate They've heard it's RSPB day. <laughs> and they're not going down there. So we've opened a, up a rich scene with birding, haven't we, uh, Matt? Because you're saying your mum and dad are yeah, chuff they're, spotters. They're, 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 they're members of the local chuff watch. That's brilliant. Which is, which they is, just is in Cornwall. They, they just, just watch, watch chuffs. Chuffs. They won't look at another That's bird. Brilliant. In fact, they actively are encouraged to scare other birds away, particularly That's, if they're kestrels. That's ridiculous. Because, no, because... Well, I know kestrels eat chuffs, but... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way of the world, and nature's read into If you're a the red-legged world. chuff, you know, your life is more precious <laughs> than a being that nasty focused. old I kestrel. could never be that focused. I love the variety of the birds. Uh, yesterday, something happened to me that never happened to me before, and I've always wanted to happen. A robin ate out of my hand. No! Yeah. The world's tamest robin. Titchwell uh, Reserve, obviously, in the car park, we're mainly talking birding people. So obviously this robin realises they're good people. They're good people. <laughs> getting out of their cars, and we got out of our car, the day had started, I opened the back of the car up, getting our stuff out, and the robin just hops up, they're very tame anyway, and he's just sitting there, looking up at me, and I thought, Dave said, get a, get a raisin out of your pocket, and give him a raisin, so I chucked one, and he ate it, and he said, you know, you could just put it in your hand, he out of your hand, so I did, I knelt down, and he pecked it out of my hand, it was a great moment, Fantastic. great moment, it was like meeting Robert Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to New Zealand? No. It's the world's tamest birds in New Zealand. Oh, really? Uh, because they well, have... all of them. Yes. <laughs> because they have Only no... The there are no land-based predators in New Zealand. Right. That's interesting. Which is amazing when you consider that it's... Nearby is Australia. Yeah. Which is the biggest home of yeah. creatures that, that yeah. wreak havoc. There's hardly, any, there's hardly any land. There are so many land-based places. <laughs> there's nothing tame <laughs> in Australia. You know, nothing, ni- nothing nice and cuddly in Australia. Everything <laughs> would kill you. Whereas, you know, across the Tasman or whatever they call it, New That's Zealand. I didn't know that. So, you know, you walk along in New Zealand in the forest and birds walk alongside you. To keep you company. Cool. It's like, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> you know, fluttering it's like Bambi. do your housework for you. <laughs> right. Yes. And your mum and dad will be going, not interested. Yeah, not interested. Bring Get away. all of the birds <laughs> of the nations on and we're not interested. So this is the word podcast where, you know, we're uh, concentrating on the subject of birds for the first bit of the, of the podcast. Is Mark Allen not coming? Mark Allen is too busy. Right, I see. Today. 
Because uh, you did invite me along to be Mark Ellen. Yes. Um, because you, you suggested in your email that I was as much of a gobshite as Mark. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't quite use the word. Um, does that mean I have to actually be him and be really amazed by technology? Uh, a certain instance. You can at some go, point. What's that? At some what point, is that? At some point in the <laughs> podcast, you work? can pass me a note going, as we're discussing, <laughs> as we were last As we're discussing oh, digital watches. We were discussing last week <laughs> the iPlayer. Okay, and yeah. I couldn't believe it. He actually, halfway through the discussion, I, what a wonderful thing the iPlayer was, and you could watch you know, BBC yeah. on Time Shift and so forth. And uh, he passed Matt a note, because he didn't dare pass it to me. <laughs> but Matt, being a snitch, passed it to me. Yeah. He said, what's the iPlayer? <laughs> so he the say, BBC... what is an iPlayer? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he presumably yeah. thought it was a separate device or something. <laughs> you know. It's not very easy for us to mock here while he's not here, but that is quite funny. It is when you consider how much of resource the BBC have put into so telling everybody the iPlayer. Yeah. Hey, yeah, you really had, you know, you've got to sit on top of a telegraph pole to not know about the iPlayer. <laughs> anyway, uh, listening to last week's podcast, I must just, uh, this is the first birth notice that we've had on the podcast. It is, yeah. Uh, from Steve Burnham, who said he had two fantastic deliveries this week. <laughs> In order, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, his gorgeous first child, Leo, on Friday, uh, and he also got his spanking new I Love the Smell of Vinyl in the Morning word, po- uh, word T-shirt. Very nice. So, uh, but that's you know, a nice, cuddly way of getting into blogging the T-shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you, you, know, you want to buy the T-shirts, go on uh, wordmagazine.co.uk. Andrew, one of the things I wanted to talk about this week, using your specialist knowledge, <laughs> is... Sitcoms. Yes. Sitcoms in general. I was worried you were going to hit me something that I know nothing about. I do know a bit about sitcoms. And uh, because you do, you write your co-write your own award-winning sitcom. True. As you, you talked about in the past on this podcast, you've been abroad to collect awards. He's I went to Swiss. I went to the fine city of Lucerne to collect an award. Got this, got this slightly too late. Yeah. Well, you know, there was a lot of trouble with the planes. Yes. Uh, the plane sat. The plane to Zurich sat on the tarmac for about an hour and a half. There was something wrong with the computer, and the pilot was very calm and Swiss and nice. Uh, but basically, at one point, they genuinely pretty much turned the plane off at the plug and plugged it and turned it back on again. Oh, really? To see if it would, you know, reboot the <laughs> see if it worked this time. Yeah, reboot the plane. The, old, the IT, the IT trick on the plane <laughs> didn't work, so we were late, yes. We arrived as everyone was being courtesy bussed out to the casino for the after show. But this week, you didn't get a BAFTA this week. Yeah, I felt, but obviously, this is a horrible thing. When you've written a sitcom, which is on television, and it has had a couple of award nominations, you suddenly become bitter when you don't get a BAFTA nomination. <laughs> and why, so I couldn't enjoy the BAFTAs this year as well as normal. And I, that's terrible. I want to enjoy them. I, don't, I want to enjoy my fellow uh, sitcom writer's glory. Uh, but but I'm just thinking, how come Benidorm's in there and we didn't even get nominated? <laughs> but actually, no, because I've been occasionally kind of programmes that I've worked on have been nominated for a Sony Radio Award. And yes. I actually much prefer not being nominated. So you can enjoy the night. Because you don't have the... It's true. You don't have the wound up... Uh, yeah, I think there's lots of... It's like tennis. Tennis has been ruined the last ten years because of Tim Henman. During Wimbledon, yeah, no, I prefer to enjoy Wimbledon without having any any kind of you know nationalistic you know, yeah, feeling yeah, that okay. you might win or lose or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, just a spectacle. So it's how fine. how good is Euro two thousand and eight going to be? Oh yes, especially really? yeah. and enjoy the great <laughs> teams of the world. And if, any, and if anyone kicks off, they'll be Polish, and we'll be able to go, phew, it's not the British again. So alongside you in not being nominated for a BAFTA Best <laughs> Sitcom, I think I'm right in saying Gavin and Stacey wasn't. Wasn't nominated for Best Sitcom, which they mentioned when they picked up Best Comedy or whatever it was they Well, got. he got Best Comic Actor, yeah, didn't he, James right. Corden? James Corden got that. And, so, and, it, and he said, but why, why is this programme not nominated for Best Sitcom? Now, I don't know. 
because it must have been put forward as best sitcom. It must have been. There's so no how way many, how many the that Baby Cow and BBC Three did not put forward that. I would have thought so. You know, obviously, because they're, they're on for a winning streak at the moment. Because I get the feeling, now this could be because I'm, you know, we've heard of early adopters, I'm a late adopter when so it comes I, to things David, like I this. I only picked up on Gavin and Stacey in the second series, so as did probably most of the people in the word office and most of the people I know, and everybody's talking about mm. it. But, uh, you know, maybe at the point the nominations were, were sifted, you know, the person doing it thought, oh, that's not happened. Yes. That's died. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas, you know, in the last three weeks or, you know, a couple of months or whatever, it's just gone crasy, yeah, isn't it? You have to remember yeah. that the, the BAFTA categories are each put together, the shortlists are put together by groups of supposed peers from, from the TV industry. So it was just a, a finite group of people. You mean bitter and twisted so, individuals? Well, inevitably bitter and twisted if they work in television. And they have been <laughs> sitting around and go, what are the top four? What are we going to put forward? For them? What are we going to make the top four? And they decided not to make Gavin and Stacey. It means that a couple of people in there said it's not, it's not really a sitcom, let's say. Maybe they said that. It's, a bit, it's like a love story. It's not really a sitcom. That, I'm sure some that's people probably, have said that. That's probably, if my experience of being on magazines, awards, juries is any, uh, is any guide, that usually means that they found it a bit of a threat, that they thought it might win. And yeah. so they kick it into touch earlier, <laughs> early, yeah. on some, you know, cheap technicality. Yeah. is easier than trying to get rid of it when it's but, on the point of winning the big prize. But anyway... It's an own goal anyway for, for Baptist. It is, yeah. because it's, yeah, it's clearly, but as James Corden said, yeah. I mean, it's much loved thing. It's, it's a kind of entered the consciousness. It's a beautiful it? piece of work. And also Peep Show, which won, didn't it? It's yeah, old news. Peep Show was, I'm sure, if not fifth, a BAFTA. Fifth series. Yeah, I mean, it's old news. And, and, you know, whether it's good or not is irrelevant. It's old news. Gavin and Stacey is the hip new thing, and it's, it's fantastic. They've actually reshaped the sitcom slightly with it. They've done something brand new with it. Whether you like it or otherwise, it's not like all other sitcoms. It does, certainly doesn't appear to me to be anything like yeah. other things. But it's also a representative of something that I just wanted to talk about, which you'll know more about than I do, uh, but the self-penned sitcom, where yes. the actor... Not necessarily in the lead role, often in the lead role, but in the case of Gavin and Stacey, not in the lead role, um, is also in it. And I, I think it, it's, it's producing a new form of work, it seems to me, that you're getting kind of confessional sitcoms that seem to bear no relation to what went before. And I suppose there's other cases, well, I suppose Larry David, Curve Your Enthusiasm, Ricky Gervais' Extras, uh, yeah. Ricky Gervais' The Office... Uh, pulling, which comes after Gavin and Stacey, yeah, which written true. by Sharon Horgan. Yeah, who's in it? And uh, and what it seems to me to be about is, I want to plumb the depths of embarrassment and self-abasement here. And if I'm writing the lines that I'm going to speak myself, I can do things that if I'm writing the lines that I'm going to hand them to an actor who have just turned up at an audition, yeah. I wouldn't do. Is that true? Well, I mean, James Corden is a great example. And, and, and Ruth Jones, who he writes it with, they're both large people. Yeah. And, and certainly Smithy, the character Corden plays in it, 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 he has some embarrassing stuff to do all the way through. He's wearing, you know, these, this thong when he gets out of bed. He's naked. He's, you know, it, all the jokes are about him being fat and big. And he, he can make those jokes because he knows he's going to do it. Yeah. So I suppose there the is something hand, in that. On the other hand, Ruth Jones has got the best lines in every She's episode. Lines, she has yeah. the best lines. But that's because she doesn't have episode. as many lines. So that's even yeah. better. So she yeah. gives herself fewer lines because her character is a woman of fewer words. But they're bloody good when she gets to say them. But the one on the last, in the last episode about when uh, Stacey's mum asks her what's the, what is, what's the satanic verses about and she says I can't tell you I don't want another fat one <laughs> classic yeah. lines it's references to the <laughs> supposed past lines yeah, yeah. that are absolutely yeah. brilliant and she's had an affair with John Prescott which <laughs> she doesn't want to talk about as well you know, the it's, it's like in, in the episode I watched the other day they had to confront the fact how old is she 
Yeah. And uh, Stacey was forced, forced to say, I don't really know. No. Because clearly, they'd written so much backstory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. had to sort of believe that she could be in touching distance of 40. You know? <laughs> yeah. But I'm really interested in this embarrassment thing because also, she, she also, I can't imagine another actress doing, all right, this scene, darling, you've got to be shot from above. Lying sprawled on a bed, face down, wearing a thong. Yeah, they <laughs> both have that scene. You know what I mean? And you're a big girl. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now try. You're the director. Try saying that to an actress who's just walked in. You know, you, you on an audition. It's not going to happen at all. You know. But the other thing he mentioned, James Corden mentioned him. What was I thought a very sweet acceptance speech? It was. Yeah. Uh, that he said that you would not believe how much of Smithy is her. She writes that the lines she, for Smithy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and she kind of gives him permission. There's a classic line that when they first meet in Leicester Square, I don't know, where they go to the club, they yeah, go to the yeah. pub or whatever, yeah. and it's clear they're going back to the hotel, and they decide that they ought to go and get some, some condoms. He says, I ain't going in that bareback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would not write that on your own. You just simply wouldn't be worth the grief, you know, on the day that you came to do it. She must have written it. Yeah, I'm sure she did. But it's, it's amazing how many of these things there are. But when, yeah, but when you were just talking about the embarrassment and self-written and stuff, and I was just thinking, yeah, but that's all Faulty Towers, isn't it? That's all kind of... Well, they, yeah, they, I mean, they wrote their, their sitcom as well. I mean, the thing is, when you've got... But that wasn't so, him. But it was... Yeah, but it was... There was stuff happening. There was stuff happening. Well, I mean, the depths of embarrassment and stuff, yeah. and you're just thinking, well, that's... And oh. the other thing that's interesting about the comparison with that is, haven't they just said that uh, they might not be any more... Well, they're doing a Christmas, a Christmas special, and, and obviously they're, they're hanging about, hanging out, seeing you know if they get a really good offer, and they've, yeah. they've got really yeah. good ideas, and they've sold the format to America, right. which, in the light of the success of the office or whatever, it suddenly starts to look quite promising, I suppose. Uh, you know, so, so they, it's the new, it's the new dignity, isn't it? It's the new <laughs> dignity of creative people in television. Two series, a couple of Christmas specials, that's it. Sell it to America, make even more money, and then go and think of something else. Yeah, yeah. It's much better. I mean, it's much better that way. You know, we're, we're currently uh, sort of on the cusp of a third series of not going out. Um, you know, and the pressure is in, enormous on the third series. It's slightly different because ours is not a continuing story like Gavin and Stacey, so that could have, a, could have an ending. Ours is just a standard, you know, three-person sitcom in a, in a flat. And everything is the same as it was at yeah, the end. Yeah, equilibrium yeah. Is, is always um, re-established at the end. But nevertheless, your sitcom, by and large, there are two kinds of sitcom. There's a sitcom which is a vehicle for somebody, and there's a sitcom which is effectively cast with actors in. So Rising Damp has an actor, Leonard Rossiter, brilliant comic actor, but an actor nonetheless, playing the part of Rigsby and making it his own, but written by Eric Chappell, who nobody's ever seen or knows about. Uh, and then you've got the vehicles, which Larry David's is. He wrote it for himself to be in it. Um, which Seinfeld was, a vehicle for Seinfeld, an established stand-up comedian, and Not Going Out is a vehicle for Lee Mack, who's an established stand-up, and he's effectively playing himself in it, or a version of himself. He's even called Lee, you know, that's the classic American way, isn't it? <laughs> so there are two kinds of sitcom. Gavin and Stacey falls down in the middle, yet again creates a new thing, where it's written by two cast members who aren't the stars. Who aren't the stars. Who aren't Gavin and Stacey. Yeah. Which is a really odd, an so, odd new thing. So this business about third series of yours, yeah. uh, Pressure On, how's, yeah. how's pressure manifested? Well, the pressure... Does somebody, does somebody look at it and go, I'm not sure it's funny, this well, episode or that, whatever. They would say that anyway, all the way through, that it better be funny, because we've set it up as a gag-based sitcom. So if there's not enough gags in it, then we have failed. You know, well, Lee Mack has failed, because he has to create these gags most of the time. And um, the pressure is such that it's about the numbers. It's always about the numbers. It's only the numbers now, these days. If you start on BBC One, which we did, you better get a decent set of numbers or you ain't going to get a second series. And so you what's, the, get a what's the decent set of numbers? Well, we, we were getting in the sort of, you know, Friday night, 
Um, 3.9, I think, was the top. So we're basically in the top end of the, of the you know, th the three points, millions, uh, which is very healthy on, on Friday night. That's fine. Well, it's enough to get us a third series. So, you know, this is, that's the pressure, though. Because if you're on, if you're Lead Balloon, which is a different kind of sitcom anyway, and that gets 1.1 million viewers on BBC Two, another series whenever you want one, Jack. You know, because that's all you need to get on Yeah, BBC yeah, yeah. Two. So, yeah. you know, it's a horrible arena to be in, BBC so, One. They always used to say this about, about series of sitcoms, that the funniest ones were always the first and the last in the series, because the first had to impress because of the first time you watched it, and the last one had to get renewed. Is that true? <laughs> that's that's a very interesting, very interesting way of looking at it. In both of our series that we wrote of not going out, they're all written... And, and film before they were shown most of the time anyway. So, so the order was the last one wasn't the last, well the last one was the last one actually. The others were mixed up. But certainly it was pretty much, it was done before, before it went out the first series. So we can't make any claim for the, for the last one being better than the others. A magazine, a website, a podcast, the word. Right, we've been joined by Fraser because Fraser's, uh, penned a very fruitful, uh, thread on the, on the word website, wordmagazine.co.uk. Fraser, confessing to your heavy metal teenage years, is that yes. right? Yes, yeah, I think it was almost inevitable that growing up in Northampton and being a 16-year-old in 1982, I would turn to Satan in the way that I did. <laughs> <laughs> so this is something you have in common with Andrew. Yeah. Both grew up in uh, I, I grew up Northampton. in Northampton. I was 16 in 1981. Um, now, it is important. The, it, one year can make all the difference. I think I mean, it, it really can, because I was not into heavy metal. What I was into was, well, I missed punk, as, as you would have done. I just missed it. Um, it arrived in Northampton in 1979 when I was 14. Sid Vicious already dead. Sex Pistols split up, you know. But, uh, but I got into punk. I thought I was, so. I bought the later Sex Pistols singles and the Skids, that kind of stuff. That was my idea of being into punk. So I, I called myself a punk when I was 14 or 15. And then, of course, that led into New Romanticism, which I took into like a duck to water, like uh, <laughs> <laughs> like one of the eight different species of duck I saw yesterday <laughs> to water and. Uh, and then, and that kind of then sort of mutated into the raincoat bands, right. Echo and the Bunny Men, and the Cure, and those kind of bands, Killing Joke. So that was my my path was sort of preordained. So you, you escaped, yeah. And, 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 and I don't know if if you have an older brother. An old what? Sorry? An older brother often. No, escapes. I don't. Are no. you the eldest? I am. Yeah, because yeah, that's interesting as well. It's so older it brothers often down. often pass down uh, heavy metal. You know, I had a friend, a friend Richard, who, who had lots of records, and I didn't have any of this. Was, time, he, was really. he older than you? He was a year older, I mean, yeah. It might be, it might be all I mean, I, I had a pencil case at school which was scribbled with band names on without <laughs> yeah. actually liking music. Hey, that's I didn't, that's I didn't fine. know any music, but oh, I, it was covered with band names. I think that's very interesting. That is a, you know, a much uh, passed over thread in the rich tapestry of rock and roll is the relationship between um, interest in rock and decorating your school gear. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because I can remember many, many years earlier, although I was interested in music, I went from writing scribbling Spitfire drawings on my exercise and, book and tanks and to oh tank okay well, Spitfires in my day to doing uh, to then doing bass drums with the with the logo of the Beatles or you know whoever you know just in the early days of logos Spitfires drawn from life were they as they came yes, flying yes. over the house <laughs> yeah they, they never held still particularly long. yeah so, so Fraser the relationship between Northampton and and an interest in this stuff. What is it about the Midlands I th that I think makes it's, it... it's something to do with motorbikes, or at least wanting to own a motorbike. There seems to be a lot of that going on. I remember going to pubs 
when I was 15 or 16 with people who looked like bikers but had never been on a bike. It was that kind of atmosphere. Were you, were you going into pubs in the, in the town centre or in the outskirts? In the a villages? couple in the town centre. So even more so in the villages. Yeah, I'm thought. sure it was. Yeah. I used to go to a pub in Grendon, which is a, an outlying village in Northampton. Uh, pretty typical, I would have thought. Uh, ironically, at that time, uh, this was when I started college in Northampton, I was playing drums in a trad jazz band, <laughs> occasionally, called Deb's Dixielanders, <laughs> who played once a week in a pub in Grendon. We want a picture of them well, on the uh, website. Uh, with, with my friend Dave, who I went bird watching with. Tell me you were wearing a boater. Were you wearing, <laughs> no boaters. Were you wearing candy striped waistcoat? But it was, <laughs> oh, anyway, I was uh, occasionally sitting in and sometimes uh, filling in for the main. So I would go to this pub in Grendon. And it will be, I imagine, very similar to a lot of village pubs around, not just Northampton, um, where there will be a lot of bikers there who weren't interested in the jazz, let's be honest, no. but they spent most of the time outside standing around each other's bikes. Now, they must have been the heavy metal fans, Yeah, I would it was a visual thing. If you looked like yeah. a biker, it just made sense that you listened to Meatloaf and ACDC. Yeah. Do people still do this? Do people still hang around looking at bikes outside pubs? They I don't, bet, do I, they? I don't oh, know. yeah. Do they? Yeah. No. Not in London, it. maybe, but I think <laughs> <laughs> not in Hampstead. No. Uh, the other thing that I, that I miss is kids sitting around uh, the War Memorial. <laughs> in uh, you know, when you used to travel around the counties of, of England, uh, and uh, you used to track the growth of magazines by that. You know, I remember Nick Logan telling me years ago that uh, that the face which he launched, you know, was always bought by the one kid in the small town who sat around the War Memorial with a ridiculous hairstyle yes. that was, yeah. you know, marked him or her out from everybody else who hung around the War Memorial. Whereas nowadays, everybody, if they do hang around the War Memorial, they all look the same. They all look as if they've been dressed by Gap, you know, and you'd never get anybody yeah. who, who stood out. I but want, I, I want Fraser on. to talk about the actual bands. Go because on. it's the period, it's a really good period for heavy metal, wasn't it? It was, the yeah, it was a resurgence. The new wave of British yeah. heavy metal. So that must have been the stuff you were into. Well, it, it was, yeah. I, mean, I think a lot of it came out of punk. I mean, listen to Iron Maiden. They, yeah. they, they sound like a punk band. And Motorhead were the same. They sounded like a punk band. And it was called... Uh, and Van Halen, I guess, were important as well, even though they were American. And it was a lot of bands who'd taken all the histrionics and the length out of metal and made it short and concise and That's bouncy. very, very, very true. But well, you, you've turned like, your back on this now. I have. I mean, I think uh, you, you get a little older, and although... You're kind of aware at the time that the whole genre is slightly silly. At the same time, you take it very, very seriously, and you grow your hair, and you, you drink ruddles, and if you could afford to, you would buy a motorbike. <laughs> or at least and stand around you, someone else's. Yeah, and then you get a little older, and you feel completely foolish about this. And I find now that I can't look back on those bands without feeling slightly silly. But there were some really silly ones, weren't there? There were some very silly ones. What was the one with the guy who wore the drummer, very tasteful, with a, seemed to recall the Cambridge rapist mask? Was that, um, was oh, that oh, God. Samson or something Samson, like yes. Yeah. Bruce Samson, Dickens, Samson. Yeah. Samson. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a bit of fun, Mark. Um, <laughs> yeah. In those days, uh, okay. it's like seaside postcard fun. Dress as a rapist, it's all right. No one's taking you seriously. And then, go on. And then moving on a few years, you had bands like Striper, who were the, the Christian heavy metal band, mm. yeah, yeah. who would toss Bibles into the audience. <laughs> at the Gideon. Serious question: Is it essentially any sillier than any other form of music, or is it just that it's not legitimized by serious interest? Well, you know I, I, mean? I was thinking it's, it's not dafter than Devo. The other really or, important thing, or whatever. The other really the important remote. thing about the Nobobob or whatever it was, Nobobob, yeah, is that it's kind of its house um, journal was sounds. Yeah, rather than the enemy. Yeah, and Gary sounds and then Kerrang. And Gary, yeah, but Gary Bushell kind of got a lot behind it, didn't he? And um, and, I, and I think that that was probably why it was a bit sneered upon as well, because it wasn't 
it wasn't the enemy. It wasn't. It, what it was never trendy. Cool heavy metal really. has never been trendy. I mean, ironically, bits of heavy metal always feed into other musics. And so it's, you know, Marilyn Manson and that and that thing that's happened over the last few years. That's seen as a kind of uh, a reasonably good subculture to be involved in in America. So the kind of goth emo thing has kind of come out of heavy metal. But at the time, to be into heavy metal was not the coolest thing to be into no. in school. But it was certainly like a, a proper club to be in, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Somebody actually says, replying to your uh, your post on, on the website, uh, webmagazine.co.uk, said, I, I realised I love this music and I love the clothing and so forth, but I eventually had to give it up because I realised I would never get girls. Yeah. You know, just, <laughs> I put away foolish things, you know what I mean? I, I put away the leather jacket and the trousers and so forth. It didn't work for me either. <laughs> it's odd because you would think that sewing a beer mat onto your trousers would have the ladies flocking to your door. There's you? a lot of mention here about Mum used to, yeah. you know, yeah. used to, I used to sew my so own patches. patches on. My know. friend Matt, who was the same age as me, and in my year at school, when I was getting into punk, he was into prog rock. And it was, he didn't have an older brother, but he had an older friend who was one year older, who was into ELP, and he was into ELP, and I was not really interested. I was kind of fascinated by the drawings on the covers, but I could never get into the music. And he then sort of, he seeped into heavy metal, and he got a moped. It really was not <laughs> not the ticket, was it? <laughs> no, but he was heavy metal. Mixed but, signals. He was heavy metal then, but he got a moped. Did he paint it? And then he, uh, he used to They're tinker with it. it. He used to tinker with it all the time, so that his hands were always covered in oil when he came in. He never washed his hands. So he came into school with dirty, oily hands. And, and that was a good heavy metal badge upon him, wasn't it? <laughs> oily fingernails. So do you still listen to any of these records now? I can't. I find it too difficult. And uh, the, the weird thing is the band's... From the modern era, I find uh, most satisfaction from listening to other ones who I find really, really silly. But I'm allowed to because I know it's silly. Then I wasn't quite sure, and so I'm embarrassed about the fact that So you're that embarrassed sure. about your, your kind of communing with your 14-year-old self? I'm embarrassed about the fact that I took it seriously at some at one point. You see, this and is now I don't have to. You see, particularly with blokes, you know, it's when you listen to this stuff, what's going on in your head yeah. when you're 14 and when you're 40, you know yeah. what I mean? Because when you're 14, you're quite happy with the fantasy. I am now with a tennis racket in front of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I am whoever. A member of Iron Maiden. I am running to the hills. <laughs> right. the, 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 the difference is then you would do it at public. You would go to a school disco or a youth club event and you would do that in public. You would headbang. You would headbang, yes. Yeah, right, that have, is a brilliant thing to do. You'd do it. Right? Nowadays, of course, you wouldn't. Unless maybe you go to an ACDC gig and everyone's doing it. I can imagine that's going to be I hope on. they are. Yeah, I really they are. hope they are still at ACDC gigs. Can you imagine at Twickenham this summer? The whole of Twickenham will be headbanging to Iron Maiden. I'd like to think so. But, but the, old, the older you get... We ought to send someone. But the older <laughs> yeah. you get, the clearer the realisation that headbanging is a really bad thing to be doing yeah. to your head. Yes. You've got kids to support, yeah. you know. You don't want to be banging your brains out. That's yeah. true. As there's, it were. There's a lot of references in, <laughs> a lot of references in this thread to some film shot in the car park, in a parking lot. What's that all about? Judas Priest parking lot is, is perhaps I've the greatest movie I've ever heard of this. you heard of this? No, I was out, of, out of the game. It's, it's, it's half an hour long. It's a, a guy with a camera outside a... Judas Priest shot some enormous dome in America just filming the fans and all you see is their reaction to him filming so they're screaming and shouting and, and talking him. about what metal means exactly, to them exactly yeah and what, what they would uh, the one bit I was watching <laughs> where this young woman was, was asked what would you do if Rob Halford was here right now and she said I'd jump his bones yeah. <laughs> well, well you could be wasting your energy <laughs> a little bit there you know so do you remember that picture that appeared in Sounds at the Heights of the New Wave of British Heavy Metal of Rob Halford and his full leather fig living in a council house, as he did? Well, he lived, <laughs> he lived in, in the Midlands. Probably in somewhere he's in the kitchen doorway of his council house. 
with wearing, you know, night porter leather, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. cap and uh, and top to toe leathers. Extraordinary. Well, it is. What, the the the, the, um, the comic strip got not very good towards the end of its comedic life. Oh. But the two bad news things. Yeah, really, bad news. Really nailed. Because they were, but that was in that was very clever. Yeah. To actually do what Spinal Tap had done, but a completely separate thing, and not yeah. not cover the same ground, really. Brilliant. And 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 he, one of the band members, won't say they're heavy metal. Is it um, Rick Mayall's <laughs> character? Rick Mayall's character, Colin, he, and and Vim, played by Adrian Edmondson, says you've got so heavy metal, so heavy metal, heavy metal, heavy metal. It's brilliant. He doesn't want to be heavy metal. Um, I don't know why that is. It's like goth, you know. You don't want to say you're a goth, no, no, but you no, absolutely are true. one. That's true. There's a great line <coughs> in that movie where the guitarist says, "I could play Stairway to Heaven by the time I was 12." <laughs> Jimmy Page didn't write it till he's 28. <laughs> <laughs> the Word, a magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. One of the things that has occupied the the time and energy of many people in the, in the Word <laughs> massive over the last week. Is they didn't realise until we talked about it with Steve Bobrick on last week's podcast that you could actually edit Wikipedia <laughs> entries. It's great when you find that out, but I must admit, most people did find that out a while ago, and it's um, it's a dangerous game. To but uh, I think some later doctors decided that they ought to exercise their their their, their right of free speech yeah. on the Wikipedia entry of Mark Allen, <laughs> uh, which they went into and stuck various um, not slanderous or no. offensive or anything, but kind of funny details, and then. Somebody got in touch with Mark and said, have you seen your Wikipedia entry? And he got back to him and said, yeah, Dave Apple's been doing it. Is it fine to get in It's just classic, you know. I've got so little to do. Oh, yeah, I'll go and fiddle with Mark's Wikipedia entry. My favourite line in it was a bit, Mark is fond of foie gras. Chrissy Hind is Chrissy Hind is not. <laughs> Actually, a further episode. You know, we were talking about when Chris Difford was here the other, the other week. We were talking about the business that Mark and I are confused with each other, like he and Glenn Tilbrook. Chris is this Tilbrook. the Facebook entry? <laughs> Alan Probert, old, old colleague of mine who's in Australia, he, he notices that somebody had posted on the Facebook group, join the Facebook group, you know, just look up Word Podcast Friends of or whatever, uh, and said, I only got turned on to this when I heard a five live documentary about podcasts featuring Mark Allen. It wasn't him, it was me! <laughs> I can't understand how people get people mixed up. It's something that kids do, you know, you can't remember who Laurel and Hardy are when you were a kid, which one's the fat one, which one's the thin one, but as you grow up, it becomes much easier, because people don't look alike, you don't look like Mark, you don't sound like Mark, you sound, you're two completely different people. No, I can't understand how people... Well, professionally... Yes, you're joined professionally, I mean, you must have had this, you know, I we, we just Stuart go to Stuart McConey, we've yeah. had this in the past. I had it, I went, yeah, I went to, when I went to see the Carter uh, reunion gigs at Christmas, somebody said, you're Stuart McConey, and I said, no, I'm not. He said, yes, you are. That people will argue. I am not. <laughs> and he said, my wife loves your books. And I said, but do you mean she loves my books or does she love Stuart's <laughs> books? You know, it's terribly confusing. And I think, well, I don't look like him. You know, we always took care when we presented our movie programme to sit in the order of our names so that Collins would be on the left, yeah, he'd yeah, read from left yeah. to right, make it easy for people. Did you really? Yeah, I was sat on the left yeah, and he was sat on the right. Deck. Yeah, it's the only way to do it. They thought that was... So your Wikipedia entry... My, what I'm worried about now, I've had a Wikipedia entry for a while and I, I was pleased when I found it and I've got no problems with it, or at least as we sit here I haven't. Uh, you really pretty... don't want to say anything No, but about I mean, it you know, I understand, podcast. I know that game. What will happen? I, mean, I, I do occasionally go on it and tidy it up if it's if it's incorrectly, you know, updated. I don't know who started it. You know, tidy do. it up. Who the it's hell? like doing your front garden up. Yeah. But if you do that. an edit on there, <laughs> swoops up the after the party. <laughs> it is broken flower pot. You have to go in there, and if you do a, a, anything on it, an edit, you have to actually put a name of what your edit was. I just put general tidy up by subject of entry. I usually put in, but you're supposed to say what you've done. 
so that it's logged. Well, you're implying that you are a character called General any idiot, Tidy Up. Any idiot you do, you're supposed to say what it is. Just so, so, so you pigeon. So I've, I've now realised, because last week I discovered that they delete, what is it, 1,500 a week or something? Or 1,500 well, no, a day? Well, no, submit, yeah, yeah incorrect yeah. submission. So they take them off. But one of the reasons they take them off, according to, to uh, last week, is if they haven't got enough correct citations. But this is it. Well, I've got a warning on mine. And it says, no citations, you know, put some citations on, basically, it says. This article is This could be a figment of your imagination. And I'm thinking, well, I, I don't know how to physically do the citations. I don't know how to physically do the language that actually puts a citation up, or else I'd go and put some in. Because I, I want to save my own entry from going down the ban. Because it's got well, no citations. You yeah, say, yeah, the... you chuck it off and if you look at the bottom, it says, like, you know... Yeah, I've done it. Uh, they, um, Mark's entry's got a, a, an, an interview in The Independent. Yeah. And what, so you can now put word podcast. Yeah, I know I can, but I don't know, I don't know how to physically make the little numbers come up. I don't know how to physically uh, make the little one in brackets to come so up. So on Andrew's Wikipedia entry, I'll say tonight, not very good at Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. I, I can tidy it up, but I don't know how to put citations in. I want to put one citation at the bottom. Has been read by, by Andrew Collins, and he says it's all true. That's about as good as it gets, Yeah, isn't it? yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? I've checked it. I've had an email from Andy Wright. He poses an interesting question. Andy White. Andy Wright. Oh, right. W-R-I-G-H-T. Uh, and he notes that people have made uh, blockbuster biopics, as they called them in Hollywood, about the likes of Johnny Cash, uh, Ray Charles, Ian Curtis. Ian by the, by the way... That's Andrew Collins pouring one bottle of water into another no, bottle of water. No, I'm decanting, because... <laughs> not, uh, any, not anything else that it may sound no, like. I, no, I'm not, no, not weeing into a bottle. Podcast. No. Sarah Miles style. <laughs> it was Robert Mitchum who, who set, put that rumour about, about Sarah Miles drinking her own wee. Was she then confirmed? Cause, Sarah cause, Miles? Yeah, because she got on his nerves, I think, or the whole thing got on his nerves when he was filming oh, The Lion's really? Daughter. And he said in the press conference, um, Sarah Miles drinks her own piss, basically. And that's how it got out into the world. She didn't go and advertise this fact. But it, it was actually true. She had actually done According it. According to the Archers this week... Uh, Astronauts drink their own wee. And uh, didn't the first um, <laughs> Prime Minister of India drink his own wee? Uh, who would that be? That would be Nehru. Good grief. Nehru. Yeah, I, I've, ne- I've never will do that, I think. So, Sarah Miles... <laughs> not, not knowingly. Sometimes Sorry, you know. this is too good an opportunity. Oh, yeah. to, By the way, talking of wee, <laughs> we don't talk about thinking of a joke about, what, three months after the event? You saw a man walking in Islington... Weeing as, as he walked along, right? Truth <laughs> so fact. And I, 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 a lot of other people commented on, on your blog about that and were saying funny things. But what I didn't put is what I'm about to tell you now. That's known as a forward slash. That's <laughs> <laughs> a so, so funny response. It's late, I know, but come on. I had a team oh, of people God. working around the clock on that. So anyway, just to get that the in. The comeback's always yeah. very That's the only reason I wanted to come on, on the podcast this week was to come up with a related funny line. The uh, Sarah Miles, Sarah Miles. Uh, the story that she drank her own urine was one of the, one of the items in one of my favourite ever features written by Adrian Duvoy years ago, which was people about whom we only know one Brilliant. thing. Brilliant. Q charts. Uh, Brilliant. <laughs> People and, about uh, whom we only know one fact. And Jim Bowen? Jim Bowen um, was, used to be a teacher. Oh, I thought he lives, oh. lives, lives in a <laughs> railway station. Actually. Have I made that up? Lives, lives in a railway station. That's right. And Jeff Capes? Uh, oh. Keeps, keeps canaries. Breeze, breeze budgets. Close enough. Yeah, close enough. And Sarah Miles, as we want to establish Sarah Miles. Yeah, that's very good. I think it's time for that feature to come oh. back. Well, where, it's time for Adrian Deboy to come back. Yeah, well, he I'm wrote not, something. Yeah, we want him back all the time. Where is he? <coughs> all over the place. Yeah. Anyway, we're coming back to Andy Wright's point. He noted all these biopics, and he says, why hasn't anybody done one about the biggest rock and roll star of them all, Elvis Presley? 
They did. Oh. Kurt well, Russell. they did TV things, didn't well, Kurt, they? Kurt Russell played Elvis Presley in a film that was definitely released at the cinema. About oh, was his it? Life. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely positive it was released at the cinema. But nobody's done one since. Well, no, that's that was a in, long that was in the time 70s. ago. I think it was in the seventies. I mean, was it even after, before or after he died? Just after he died, perhaps. You see, I've got a theory as to why they didn't, why they haven't done it, because the everything the else. The owns the rights, probably. Well, no, the, no, the people who own the rights, well, they own the rights. The rights have now been sold on to some massive rights holder. I think they've been sold on, you know, after after his uh, his widow and his daughter made a fortune out of it. I think it's been sold on. Uh, and the rights to Elvis Presley dead were worth far more than the rights to Elvis Presley alive. Um, and um, presumably they would have veto over any plans to make a, make a film about Elvis Presley because they wouldn't let him use the music. Or you couldn't do it without the music. Yeah. You couldn't, well, you presumably couldn't do it without, without the name. And the other thing that struck me is you can't spin the Elvis Presley story as a positive, life-affirming no. tale of triumph over tragedy. or You know what I mean? Most of these things... They find something positive. Johnny yeah. Cash, you know, That's the love of a good woman. Ray Charles, you know, the, the, the you know, fantastic you know, ability to rise above adversity. In Elvis's case... Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis. Lewis. Yes, there was one the problems of marriage. Dennis Quaid played Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> That's true. But your Elvis story, if it ends at the end, has to end with a terminal event on the commode. Yeah. As, as it and was it's mentioned very in the difficult to, yeah. You can't leave people going out of the cinema with a no. feel-good, no. you know... You know, um, with impacted feces. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. Clay-like substance. Yeah. is the coroner called it. A clay-like substance. Well, it, it isn't a clay-like substance. It's shit, isn't it? Just say that. Anyway, I'm going you to could go- begin the Elvis story just before his comeback special. Not go to the end. That's the way to do Elvis. Yes. Just to start about. He's about to come back on, and he's looking back. Andrew's his life. writing it as we're doing. Yeah, it, I'm writing. I think. I think he's got. To, he's got to start. I'm going to ask you one more BAFTA question, chaps. Controversial, I know. Bruce Forsyth got the kind of he's still alive, yeah. he's a legend award. Brucey, not funny. Not funny. Never has been funny. And also, look into his eyes. They're Go on. cold. Well, do you know why they're cold? Because they're he's reading old. Every they're not cold. <laughs> he's, he's got cataracts. <laughs> he's, he's reading every line off a cue card, which is placed about three feet to the left of the camera, isn't he? <laughs> he's not getting an award for being funny, though. He's getting an award for being able to sing and dance and do everything. And been doing it for 60 years or whatever it is. Uh, he's not getting a comedy they, award, is he? Why do they give one to Lionel Blair? But, you know, because he can dance and sing for, for a long time. Lionel Blair is, is, is beloved in a kind of ironic way. Bruce is beloved. You know, you, you put Lionel Blair in front of a programme on Saturday night, no one's watching it. No, OK. Whereas Brucey, unbelievably, is still big box office. That's amazing to do that. And he, just, just he can move about, his mind's there. Look at his feet move. He's better dancer than me. Oh, he's a brilliant dancer. And yeah. listen, I won't knock his dancing. He's a fantastic no. dancer. So but he's not funny. He, he has, it, on the Generation came at its height, oh, he used funny. to make uh, amusing comments and uh, raise his eyebrows to the camera and stuff in a very amusing way. He was good at mugging. But and not as good as Larry, um, Larry Grayson, actually. That's my favourite period of the Generation game. The he was, he was very good. When I he can't was believe there. you actually have a favourite period <laughs> of the generation <laughs> game. If Andrew Harrison was here, he's got a favourite bit of Bob Dylan's <laughs> career or whatever. You know, I'm the yeah. the generation. Yeah, that was the classic yeah. years. The Grayson and Isla, whatever Sinclair. Yeah. Yes, whatever happened to Isla Sinclair? <laughs> I bet Isla Sinclair is is broadcasting somewhere in Scotland. I hope so. Anyway, I think she is. I hope she's on the radio somewhere I in Scotland because she, she was a lovely woman. 
Uh, things to do, things to make and do on the website right now. Matthew Ryan, uh, American rock star, has offered you the right. He's going to write a song that looks great. for you. That looks All great. you have to do is nominate the subject and the style of. Uh, you know, so you think, think the of a generation topic. game. Sorry? The generation game. It's The glory is the, <laughs> the generation game. The glory is the generation yeah. game. In the style of. In the style of. Iron Maiden. Yeah, let's do Iron Maiden. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that'd be great. So get your suggestions in uh, quickly. You realise when you are talking about the glory years of the Generation Game, which is your favourite, whether it's Larry Grayson or Bruce Forsyth, there is, of course, a third piece. It's not Jim Davidson. Jim Davidson. <laughs> I'd love to know if somebody thinks that was when it really hit its stride. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> when the much-married resident of Dubai, future resident of Dubai... Uh, he he's not got a plot on one of those palm trees, has he? Oh, I bet he has, yeah. He's probably got him on an island built of his face. <laughs> but from, <laughs> the, the, from the sky, it looks face. like a big Jim Davidson's face. You know those islands where they've built the world? They've reconstituted mm. yes. the world yes. as visible from the yeah. sea. Yeah. Yeah. So they've, they've put piles of sand into the ocean, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. See, and, and I was watching a TV programme about this. And so I, I thought, well, that's perfectly logical, because if ever you want sand, you know, Dubai's the right place. Wrong kind of sand. Oh, really? Apparently, they had to buy in the sand from kind of <laughs> from Northampton, probably. Is that like selling yeah. snow to yeah. the Eskimos? Yeah. Selling sand you, to the I've Abu Dhabi. Northampton's landlocked, just in case somebody <laughs> writes in. <laughs> on next week's podcast... I wouldn't... You can't build, a, you can't build everything on sand anymore. They, they know nothing, these people in Dubai. <laughs> it's so where I've, it, I've seen sand in water. I know what happens to it. Yes, it that's washes true. washes away. That's true. Is that seen in, in Monty Python's Holy Grail? People said it was daft to build a car, daft to build a castle on a swamp, but I built it all the same. It sank into the swamp. So I built another one. That sank into the swamp. So I built a third one. That burned down, fell over, then sank into the swamp. But the fourth one stayed up. That's Dubai. On next week's podcast, Claire Grogan is our special guest. Yeah. Oh, my good God. <laughs> so Matt, I might have to bring a square of cold lino, oh, yes. cold lino in it's to, to stand The great thing about Claire Grogan is that people of a certain age who have good fond memories of Claire Grogan when she first appeared um, and meet her or see her in real life now are A, not disappointed, because nope. she still looks lovely at, at the age that she's at, um, which is older than she was when she was first famous, which is always a good thing. Uh, but she's also, you, can, you don't feel guilty or dirty for feeling that you felt, <laughs> because you didn't actually have dirty thoughts about her. You had nice thoughts about her. I certainly did. You wanted to you know, marry a, her or have her around nice your house. Thoughts. Even at the age of 14, nice <laughs> thoughts. Yeah. So I don't her. believe 14-year-old boys <laughs> have nice thoughts. I did. <laughs> but I didn't like heavy metal. You know. So Andrew, you've got to plug your podcast. Well, I think I will mention my podcast. I've, I've worked out a way of bringing it in, actually. Richard Herring, the comedian with whom I now do a weekly podcast, um, he wrote a one-off drama, comedy drama, which is on ITV1 last year. and was the last uh, appearance of Anton Rogers, sadly. He was in it. Richard played a part in it. It was loosely based on himself. It was about families and his own family, fictionalised. And he wrote in this hour-long drama the part for himself, which would involve him standing up naked in a bath and falling out of the bath and landing on his face with his ass, his bare ass sticking in the air. So he wrote that for himself. So there's a great example. That fits into somebody writing something. Self-abasement yeah. sitcom. Another actor going, there's no way I'm doing that. You must be joking. Anyway, Richard Herring and I do a weekly podcast which we record in his house. I using, thought you did it fortnightly. Uh, we started fortnightly. We've gone weekly. We've oh gone my uh, it costs, oh, I don't watch him now, man. No, no money forthcoming. We have nothing to plug. I'll fade him yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> but see, we can't even fade. We, don't, we use a fraction of the equipment that you use, Matt. And uh, we kind of, we've grown to like the crapness of the sound, <laughs> although people every week are offering to make it sound better for us. We kind of want it to be the same. So anyway, it's 
called the Collings and Herring Podcast. It's just me and Richard banging on about what's in the newspapers. That's all it is, and we mm. usually put it out on a Friday. Riding high in the iTunes charts. Riding high shows. in the iTunes charts. This yeah. is an astonishment to us, and people think we're obsessed about it, because we don't get anything out of it being in the iTunes charts. It's just really nice to see it there. Something that we just do on a kitchen table using the uh, inbuilt mic of a MacBook. <laughs> and we don't plan it, we just start and we end it. We don't edit it. Um, Unlike, of course, this podcast, yes. where every yeah. word, is, there's, there's a battal- battalion of script editors <laughs> and fact-checkers. Hey, thank you. I told uh, Richard that I was coming on to the Word podcast this week, and he was really jealous that I was going on someone else's podcast. So yeah. He can come on. Yeah. He should get him on, he's very funny. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk.